Well, good morning again. Uh, it is a little bit different seeing me up here with Eric here, but uh, we decided to give him uh, a little break this week, especially with the presentation and stuff we had this morning, give him more time to prepare for that. And so uh, give me an opportunity to come up and speak. And also, it may partly be because we knew that presentation was going to take a while, and if he was to preach and then we had our members meeting, we'd be here to 2 o'clock. So uh, hopefully I can, I can condense this a little bit and uh, everybody will leave before your stomach starts growling. So that, uh, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, this morning, if you will, go ahead and make your way to James chapter 1. And uh, we're going to look at a few verses here in the book of James. And as I was thinking about um, what I want to speak on this morning, uh, I kind of come across these verses in James and I was, I was trying to think about uh, also, you know, the new year. This is the first Sunday of 2019. Uh, it's hard to believe it's already 2019, but here we are. And, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, a lot of people uh, for the New Year's, they like to make a New Year's resolution. Um, I don't typically do that because it doesn't do me any good. I, I blow it after the first week. Um, so I don't even fool with it anymore. Um, Caleb did ask me, uh, he says, hey, Dad, what are you looking forward to in 2019? And I said, I really don't know. I guess uh, getting in shape and growing more hair. But uh, I'm not sure that that's really going to pan out. Um, that would be nice, but uh, especially the hair thing, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but anyway, that, that's kind of our tendency. Our tendency is, hey, it's a brand new year. It's a fresh start. What can I do different? Uh, this year that I didn't do last year. And, and we kind of, as a church, we kind of got a little glimpse of that this morning uh, as Eric presented next steps to us, um, as we talked about, hey, here we are a year from uh, when we made our, our observation last year, kind of our, hey, here's what we need to work on as a church. Um, and, and we did some things last year, and so now here we are, a brand new year, uh, you know, hey, let's we're launching a brand new thing. And so we're, we're continually looking at uh, what we need to do uh, as a church to improve and to make ourselves better. And that's, that's basically what the purpose behind uh, a New Year's resolution is. It's, it's, okay, there were some things I didn't do well last year. I'm going to improve on that this year. Um, and so a lot of people do that. And you may do that. And if you do, that's great. Uh, I hope you're able to stick with what you resolve to do. Um, but what I really want to look at is, is what, are, what do you want to pursue this year? I don't really want to call it a resolution because uh, a lot of times that's kind of an empty word that we just kind of throw out. But, it, but it, I actually want to call it your New Year's pursuit. What are you going to pursue after? Um, what is the thing that's going to consume you this year that, that hopefully uh, you can do better this year than you did last year? And what I want to look at through these verses in James, uh, we're going to kind of look at a comparison between what the world pursues and what, uh, what, what a godly pursuit is. What should we be pursuing? Uh, so let's read those real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of get into it a little deeper. Uh, James 1, verse 9 <coughs> says, But the brother of the humble circumstances is the glory in his high position. And the rich man is the glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off. And the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive 
the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So let's pray together. God, we do thank you for your word. Uh, God, I just pray that now during this time, God, that uh, you will just speak through me, uh, through your spirit, God, that uh, your word will go out to the people here today, that your word will pierce our hearts and our minds, and uh, God, that your spirit will speak to our spirit today, God, and that uh, you'll be glorified through all that's said and done here today. Uh, so God, just use this time to teach us, to grow us, and to glorify yourself. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to look at three things this morning. The first thing we're going to look at in verse 9 is prosperity. Um, James kind of addresses that a little bit here. He says, uh, but the brother of humble circumstances, the glory is high position. And so, man, that, that's probably pretty high on, on the list of, of New Year's resolutions that people make is uh, wealth. It's, I want to make more money this year. Um, I'm sure weight loss is way up there, but James didn't really talk about that, so I'm not going to talk about it either. But, but money is always there. Um, I want to make more. I want to I be able to buy uh, a new house, a new car. I want to be able to buy more stuff. We've got to have more money so we can have more stuff. That's kind of the way this, this uh, society works, right? Uh, if you don't have money, you can't buy a whole lot. Um, you know, I've got some things, but there's some things I want. And I can't afford them, so I need more money for that. Uh, it, it's just kind of a natural uh, condition we find ourselves in. You know, you, you're raised uh, to get a good job. You want to get a good job so you can make a good living. You can provide for your family. Uh, that's the things that we push. And so we grow up with this. Um, and not that, not that money is a bad thing. Uh, money is a necessity. Uh, if, if you don't make money, then, then how are you going to eat? You know, if, if you don't make money, how's this church going to function? I mean, I mean, everything revolves around money, but money is not the core of who we are. And, and so money shouldn't be um, that heart's desire that we have. We, it's a thing we have to deal with, but at the same time, it's a thing that, um, man, there's more important things than money. But money, is, it's way up there. At the beginning of the year, hey, uh, I'm going to do something to make more money this year. I, I've got to buy more things. I need to make more money. Um, but we see here that, that James, he says, let the brother of his humble circumstance glory in his high position. <coughs> and so he's kind of contrasted that with, um, he's talking about uh, your standing in society. He's talking about someone who doesn't have much. Uh, that word um, humble there, it, it pertains to one's status in society. Um, so it really kind of points to uh, who you are. And, and, you know, we don't live in uh, a society such as uh, some countries like India and things like that where they have the caste system and, and you live up here and you don't communicate with people down here. Um, we don't really have that, but we kind of tend to gravitate toward it. Uh, you you kind of gravitate toward people who are in similar financial situations that you're in. Um, and, and so we, we kind of do that. Um, but what I was kind of thinking about here when he was talking about being humble, your humble circumstance, kind of where you're at. Um, and here, again, we're talking about those who, who don't have much. 
uh, I was thinking about, you know, if, if you were to meet, uh, if you were to travel to London and you were to meet the Queen, you know, you kind of humble yourself before the Queen. Like, you, you wouldn't just stand there and not bow. I mean, that, it'd be disrespectful. Uh, you know, back in the day of Caesar, man, you had to, you know, there were certain rules when, when Caesar was around. Like, you had, to, you had to bow before him. You didn't turn your back to him, things such as that. Um, we, we kind of see that. You humble yourself before people. And so uh, that's kind of what we're looking at here, the, the brother of the humble circumstance, someone who's, who society sees as lowly. You're kind of you're kind of beneath uh, other people. That's the way people look at you, and and that's often associated with those who who don't have much. And we'll kind of see that um, here in a minute. But he says you are to boast, um, the glory in your high position. You're to boast over the things that you don't have. You're to boast in the position you're found in. Um, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, does it? That, that I don't have much, so why do I boast in that? Well, it, we're not talking about boasting in what you have on this earth. You know, James is talking about boasting on what you have beyond this earth. The riches you have in Christ, the, the, the thing that God has given you, that's what you boast in. That's what's eternal. Um, it's not what you have here. And, and so... When he says that the brother of the humble circumstances, the glory in his high position, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about you're, you're poor and you're low in society, and so therefore you're to, you're to boast in that. No, your riches are somewhere else. And so he's saying, he's saying boast in that. Boast that your wealth is not here. Man, I thank God that this is not all there is. Um, because if this was all the blessing I was ever going to receive, it's kind of pitiful. Uh, I'm not really going to boast a whole lot in everything I have here. Uh, but someday I'm going to be a son of the creator. I'm going to be brought into his family and given everything that he's, that he's got. Um, all of his possessions will be mine. You know, there, there's, there's coming a time where I'm going to exalt in not what I have here, but what God has given me. And that's what, that's what James is saying. This is where you need to be. Um, I want to give you guys some references. Y'all can write these down. I've got them kind of printed out here. You can try to turn to them if you want to. But in uh, Luke 18, verses 18 through 27, Jesus told a parable about the rich young ruler. It says, The ruler asked ask him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness on your father and mother. And when he said and he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he's extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And we're reminded in this parable that there was a, a, a guy that come up that had great possession and great wealth in this world. And he, he asked Jesus, says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He said, get rid of it. He said, then you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And so he was asking, trade off worldly 
wealth for heavenly treasure. And he went away sad because he wanted to hang on to the temporary and not gain the eternal. And so we can see even through this parable how this eternal wealth is worth so much more than anything we gain here. That's what we boast in. That's what we exalt in. That's what we glorify in, that, that God has given us so much more um, than anything we could possibly have on this earth. And then if we look at verses 10 and 11, he said, The rich man is the glory in his humiliation. Because like flower and grass will pass away. You know, here we're talking about a man who is wealthy. A man on this earth who has a lot of money. Um, you may be that person or you may know that person. Uh, I've heard of people like that. I don't know if I know any of them personally or not, but I've seen them on TV and there's people that have a lot of money, uh, if you can believe it or not. But if, if that person's a believer, what's he to glory in? Is he to glory in what he owns? Is it he glory in his house and his cars and his, his fine things? James says um, he's to glory in his humiliation. What are he even talking about? He's saying these things that, that you pursue, these things that you own, this prosperity that you're, you're desperately desiring is going to go away. And he, he gives us that example of uh, the flowering grass. He says, you know, it's beautiful, and then the sun comes out, and it's scorched, and it's gone. That's the way your wealth is. You may have it for a while, but someday you're going to die and you're not taking it with you. It's the heavenly treasure that's important. And so, and so the rich is the glory in his humiliation. He's the glory that, that, that even though I can boast in what I own, my treasure's in heaven. And, and that's, that's what's important. Um, and so I was kind of thinking about that a little bit, how we treat the rich versus the common man. Um, and do they get better treatment than we do? And I think, I think to answer that, all we got to do is, is turn the page in your Bible. Um, and in James chapter 2, he says, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For from man comes to your assembly with a gold ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay a special attention to the one we're in the fine clothes, you say, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? It's even happening in the church. James has addressed it saying, we can't do this. Because who are they? I mean, they're no better than anybody else is. You know, if we had uh, someone come in to our, our midst that was obviously wealthy, and we treated them better than we treated everybody else, what are we saying? We're saying your wealth is important. The things you own are, are more important than the things of eternity, the heavenly treasures. Um, and that's messed up. That's completely backwards um, from, what, from what the Bible teaches. And so what does the Bible teach about riches, about worldly riches? What does it have to say? Now, I've got a few verses here I'm going to, I'm going to give you. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Again, talking about our needs, our worrying about where's our food going to come from, where's my clothes going to come from, 
Um, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about those things. Uh, Luke 12, 19 through 21, where he's telling the parable of the guy that had the, the great crop. And he says, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this not your soul's required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, that's a very humbling passage. That everything I'm working for, everything I'm going eight to five, five days a week, spending half of my life working a job to earn some money, someday somebody else is going to get it. It's humbling. I mean, everything you've worked for, your home, your property, whatever it may be, uh, someday is going to be somebody else's. And what have you got? And, and that's exactly what he's saying. You know, this guy, his, his whole heart was, I've got plenty, I don't have to do anything. And he says, you're a fool because now you're going into heaven. Who's going to own your stuff? 1 John 2, 15 through 17 do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And then in 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 11, probably some of the most famous passages when it comes to talking about money since for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. <coughs> pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And so we see this contrast between pursuing earthly, worldly wealth and pursuing godliness. It's not the same thing. It's different. Um, they're in contrast to one another. And so what I want to kind of bring out is as, as you start the new year and you look at what's my attitude toward Money. What's my attitude toward earthly riches? Um, you have to make that decision. You have to make a living. I mean, if 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 you're out of your parents' house, you got to work. There's no doubt about that. Um, you have to buy food. You have to have a place to live. Absolutely. Um, but where's your heart? Like like is is this going to consume? Wow. <coughs> is this going to consume? what you do for the new year? Is this going to consume uh, your pursuits for 2019 that I want more money, I need more stuff? So we have to look at our attitude uh, when it comes to these riches. We have, to, um, we have to be humble. We have to be content in, I mean, my treasure's in heaven and not here on earth. And I want to read you guys something um, I've printed off the internet because sometimes, you know, we talk about uh, the pursuit of earthly treasures and the pursuit of heavenly treasures. And 
you know, I mean, me talking to you about that, it's nothing new. You know, I kind of expect that, that if I was to ask you, you know, which do you had you rather pursue, you're going to say, I'd rather pursue heavenly treasure. I mean, that's what you've been taught. That's what you're supposed to know. Um, but unfortunately, not all churches believe that way. And so even in Christian circles, uh, we have confusion about what's important. And I want to read you this prayer. Some of you have heard it before, uh, but just come off of uh, Bethel's webpage. They're a big church out in California. <clears throat> and this is what they pray before they receive their offering. And so, and so think about these words and see, does this line up with what we have just read in Scripture, the teaching about money? It says, as we receive today's offering, we're believing the Lord for, and here's a list of things, jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God because he needs that, and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's being prayed in their services. This is why I'm giving, is so that God will just bless me with all this money because that's what I need, and so I can give a little bit back to his kingdom. That's a little messed up. That's not at all what we just read when we are looking at what's important. What, what kind of treasures are we pursuing? Are, are we really pursuing worldly treasure or are we pursuing heavenly treasure? Because the Bible's pretty clear those are two different things. Like your heart's going to go after one or the other. It's not going to go after both. Um, and I do want to say, uh, without naming any names, that there's a church in this community that prays that same thing before they take up their giving. So it's not a California problem. It's right here in White County. This is being taught in our own county that this is important. This is what God wants you to have. He wants you to have all of this stuff. He wants to just, just pour all this out on you. Well, if that's your heart, what are you going to do with it? I mean, if my heart's desire is to gain more money, am I going to bless God with that? I'm going to go buy some more stuff. I, my heart's in the wrong place. My heart's not where it needs to be. You know, if my, heart, if my heart's pursued is after God and after, man, I want more of him. I want to be closer to him. I want to put up treasures in heaven and he gives me money. Well, yeah, then I'll give it to him. But if my pursuit is after a financial gain here on earth, my heart's in the wrong place. And my heart's not going to glorify God with that. And I think that's exactly what the Bible teaches. There's, there's two different things here. And so... The question is, how do we obtain godly wealth? If we're talking about prosperity this year, how should I prosper? How, how should I pursue prosperity? Um, in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want to pursue wealth, pursue heavenly wealth, put your treasure in heaven and don't seek the treasures on earth.
um, that's how we can prosper ourselves in 2019. It's through um, glorifying God. And so the second thing that we kind of see that he addresses here uh, is peace. Got a slough? There it is, peace. Prosperity and peace. Verse 12, blessed is a man who's, who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This verse, when it, it talks about um, the ESV says remaining steadfast, the, the NASB says the one who perseveres under trial, um, it actually speaks to, it, it means to continue in an activity or state despite resistance and opposition. And so, and so basically what it's saying is when I'm under a trial, this is where I want to remain. I want to persist in this trial until the trial is over, not that I'm going to try to find a way out of it. I need a quick fix. I need to get out of this because I don't like it and it's painful and it's not pleasant. And so God removed this from me. Um, but that's often the peace that we're looking for. You know, when we go into 2019, man, I hope this is like the easiest year I've ever had. Like, I hope I don't have to go through, you know, losing a family member or losing a job or a medical emergency or you name it. I just want life to be easy in 2019. That's all I want. And so that's what we, that's, that's what we, we pursue. That's what we hope for. It's just a, man, just a nice, peaceful life. Well, I don't have to worry about anything. But that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, he, he says a few verses uh, back in James uh, 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, completely lacking nothing. Man, it's the trials that brings you to maturity. It's the trials that grows you as a believer. It's the trials in life that, that we need to become more like Christ. So we can glorify God with our lives, and that's exactly the things we don't want. I, I don't want them. Nobody really wants them. But it's what we need. And so, you know, as we, as we go into 2019, um, man, welcome the trials. Welcome them knowing that God is using those things. He's using those things to make you the person he needs you to be. Um, he's not doing it as just being a mean God, um, but he's doing it to grow you. And, he's, and in, that, in that, he's going to glorify himself. Um, I was, I, I thought about it, I, I didn't write the reference down, I, I thought about it this morning, but I remember, and it was back before Eric was even our youth pastor at Gum Springs, I guess Kevin was still there, it's the very first winter retreat I went on with the youth group, we went to a big cabin up in the Smokies, and of course we took, I don't know how many, 30 kids or whatever, so there's a bunch of us traveling in vans, all that fun stuff, uh, some of you probably remember the days. Um, but that was the time that Francis Chan came out with his book called Crazy Love, which is a big thing. A lot of you probably read that. Um, it's kind of a big deal when it came out. And so I was reading through that book when we went on youth retreat. Um, and it was interesting because one morning I got up and was kind of having a quiet time, and I was reading through part of that book here on a trip with a lot of youth and adults and stuff. 
And I come across a part where he made the comment, and I, and I don't have the exact quote, um, but he made the comment that was similar to this, that, you know, when we travel, we always pray for protection. God protect us on the road. Keep us safe. That's what we want. We want to be safe. We always want safety. He said, what if it's God's will that you got in an accident? He's like, would you pray for that? And I thought, man, I mean, that kind of hits you hard when you're traveling with a van full of kids. You know, man, what if it's God's will that we did get in an accident? Then what would I think about God in that situation? And, and it kind of hit me pretty hard. And, I, and, and you know, the, I think that follows it really good with, with this piece that, man, we're always praying for safety. We're, God, just keep us safe. I just, want, I just want everything to be easy. But it's through the trials of life that we grow. And so I, I, it's my hope for you that in 2019 you welcome those trials, that you don't want to try to, to run from them or to get out of them, but that as the trial comes, uh, you embrace it and you go through it. You let God work in your life uh, to make you the person that he wants you to be. So how do we obtain a godly peace? Well, Philippians 4 Verses 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the peace we need to pursue. I don't need a worldly peace in my life. I need God's peace. How do I get that? He, he says, don't be anxious about things, but, but pray about them. Take them to the Lord and let his peace overwhelm you. Let his peace come to you. Um, man, there's nothing like losing a parent. And I went through that last year. I know some other people went through that last year. And if it wasn't for the peace of God during that time, it'd be devastating. You know, it's times like that where you just, you pray for the peace of God. And it says he will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, how can you be so, how, how can you handle a situation like that so well? Well, it's not me. But it's the peace of God. It's the peace that he's given me. Um, it's not something I've come up with myself. And so, perceive godly <laughs> peace. When hard times come, when trials come, don't be anxious about them, but pray about them. And allow God's peace to come and overwhelm you and to take you through that thing. And then the third thing um, is pleasure. And I do want to make a note here that I think uh, this might officially make me a pastor because I got three points and I'll start with P. So, <laughs> hey, I'm proud of that. You guys might not care, but man, that's awesome. <laughs> Prosperity, peace, and pleasure. First time I've ever done it, I think. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust, and when the lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so you think, well, what in the world has that got to do with pursuing pleasure? Like, who in the world at the beginning of the year, says, I want to pursue more sin this year. Um, there's probably not many people sitting in this room 
that said that it, on January the 1st, that I want to be more sinful this year than I was last year, um, which is understandable. Nobody wants to be. But, but what I want to really bring out is this pursuit of pleasure that I'm talking about. Um, one thing you may say in kind of a worldly view is uh, this year uh, I'm going to play more golf or I'm going to go fishing more or I'm going to go hunting more. I'm going to travel more, whatever it may be. Um, that, may be that may be something you want to do. You may have made a statement that, man, I'm going to do this more this year. And so is that a bad thing? Well, no, not really. It's not a bad thing. Um, I mean, I would love to be able to travel more, to, you know, play more golf or whatever it is. Um, but the temptation there is it's feeding my desire. It's feeding my flesh. And so is golf sinful? Well, no, golf's not sinful. But what could it lead to? I mean, it could lead to... Uh, you know, there's not as many people playing on Sunday as there is on Saturday. And it's pretty nice outside right now. And so I'm going to start skipping out a little bit and hitting the links on Sunday morning. And, and you can see how this, this will kind of take off. Um, because now the desires of my flesh is more important than my spiritual desires. And so now that's what I'm going to feed this year. I'm going to feed that. I'm going to feed what my flesh wants more than I'm going to feed what my, my spirit wants. And in that, we see what, what James is talking about. He, he says um, that each one's tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust, by your own desires, your own passions. Um, that's when you start to, to be tugged into, into temptation. And so, yeah, playing golf is not bad, but if I allow it, then that can be what I desire, and I can desire that all the time. And the more I desire what makes me happy, the less I'm desiring what makes God happy. And so you can see how this would lead into uh, maybe other things, because now what's most important in my life? Is it, is it the desires of the Spirit, or is it the desires of my flesh? Well, if the desires of my flesh is what's most important, then what's naturally going to come along with that? It's going to be sin. Sin is going to be attached to that. If I'm feeding my flesh, then that's what's going to, that's what's going to grow. Um, Romans 7, 14 through 20. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm, I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. <clears throat> this is Paul writing. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I, I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells in me. And then Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on 
the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so, you know, we look at these things and we say, well, what does it hurt if I do these things? Well, maybe, uh, maybe every now and then it's not that big a deal. But, but if your uh, pursuit for 2019 is to feed your pleasure more, it, it's I'm going to do more of what I want and less of what God wants, then you've, you've entered dangerous territory. Uh, you've entered the territory, as Paul talked about, where you're going to start feeding your flesh, and that's not going to be pleasing to God. That's not going to do the things the Spirit wants to do. Um, it's going it's to do the things opposed to what God wants to do. And so how are we to obtain a godly pleasure? Well, in Galatians 5, 16 through 24, and I'll end uh, with this, says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a good start. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so you have a choice to make in 2019. What are you going to feed? Are you going to feed the flesh or are you going to feed the spirit? Because they are opposed to one another. They desire two totally different things. Um, if we're not careful and we, and we feed the flesh more and we want to do what makes us happy, it makes my flesh happy and it's th this is the things I want to do, then if I'm not careful, it's going to lead into these things that he's listed out that are works of the flesh. That, you know, now sin doesn't seem like it's such a big deal anymore. You know, drunkenness, so what's it going to hurt? It's just me, right? Um, it's easy to start taking those things and saying it's not that big a deal. Sin's not that big a deal if I'm feeding my flesh. But if I'm feeding the Spirit, then it'll keep me from those. Sin is a big deal. Um that's not what I'm going to pursue. That's not what I'm going to fall into. Um, and so I just pray this year, you know, as you look at what you may pursue in 2019, whether it be uh, prosperity, peace, or pleasure, that you pursue these as God would have you pursue them and not as how the world says to pursue them. And so let's pray together. God, we do thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that you have given us the instruction we need to know how to navigate this life, God, that uh, we do realize that our flesh is um, at war with our spirit, God, that, that our flesh is sinful and it doesn't want to do the things that pleases you. Um, but God, I pray that each and every person here, God, can recognize that they're in a battle and recognize that um, 
God, we can only please one or the other, our flesh or our spirit. We can't please them both. And so, God, help us in our times of weakness. Help us in our times of wanting to please the flesh, to pursue the things of the world. God, give us the strength to recognize how we need to change and give us the strength to be able to change. God, I just pray that through your spirit you will convict us where there's sin in our lives, God, that you will help us this year um, to instead of, of pursuing the, the pleasures of our flesh, God, that we will pursue uh, the desires of the Spirit and the desires that you have for us. So, God, make us more like Christ this year. God, I pray that this will be a year of, uh, of renewal in our hearts and our minds and our spirit, God, that we will uh, desire you and love you and pursue you with all that we have.